Welcome to Flunking the Written, a fully spoiled Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast in which two uber fans break down every episode of the show. Join Kimberly and Megan every other Tuesday as they overanalyze each scene and discuss the Buffyverse at large. Now let's meet up with the Scoobies and get into this episode of Flunking the Written. What can I say? I flunked the written. Alright, Kim, we are about to get into our discussion of Dead Man's Party, which was written by Marty Noxon and directed by James Whitmore Jr. And the DVD blurb is, A Nigerian mask that Buffy's mother has acquired from the gallery has the unique power of resurrecting the dead. That just gives everything away, doesn't it? Well, it's just, it's also like the most casual way of saying that, you know... (laughs) The dead are coming back. She's <laughs> just like, oh, it's yeah. just you know, a unique ability that this mask has that was acquired from the gallery. Hmm, yes, let me sip my wine. Okay, so the episode starts off with Buffy in her room unpacking, and then there's this kind of long pause where she just kind of soaks in that she's back, and she stares at the room. Then she immediately goes to her closet and grabs a sweater <laughs> and is like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> She goes to her mom's room. Um, her mom is working on hammering in a nail and is startled when Buffy comes in and Joyce shows her own Slayer strength by just destroying the wall. Right? How hard did she hit with that hammer? <laughs> or how weak and cheaply made is that wall? <laughs> Joyce says that she's just been used to the quiet. And also, here's a mask that is certainly not going to be crucial to the plot later on. Uh, I think those are her exact words. <laughs> Yeah, that and that mask is like, why would you want that in your bedroom anyway? Like, it'd be interesting to see in a museum, but I mean, I wouldn't want to see it every night as I was falling asleep. Yeah, I mean, I like creepy stuff and I appreciate the creepy aesthetic, but there's certain areas that I don't want to be creepy. And my bedroom's definitely one of those. (laughs) I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night, turn on my bedside lamp. And look up and see that. (laughs) Yeah. Especially if I lived in Sunnydale. So uh, Buffy says that she's going out and going to try to find Willow and Xander. And her mom is very uncomfortable with it. But, (laughs) I mean, I don't really blame her. Mm -hmm. I never actually thought about it when I watched it when I was younger. But, oh my gosh, if one of my kids did that, I wouldn't let them out of my sight for like a year. Yeah. Yeah, there would be no going to find friends. Yeah. And then there's a very awkward moment when Joyce asks if she will be slaying about slaying since yeah. she thinks it's something that can be penciled in on the calendar. <laughs> yeah. I do like that Joyce is overcompensating with food. I feel like that's a very nice love language that Joyce has. <laughs> Just like, mm-hmm. here's all Just the food. <laughs> all the food in the world. So um, Joyce offers to drive Buffy and... Buffy kind of has her, you know, if if you don't want me to go, just say so. And Joyce is like, no, just I want things back to normal. And mm-hmm. um, what we'll talk about a lot in this episode is Buffy's reaction to people as almost like there are times in this episode I feel like Buffy singles out just the the worst parts of the way people are reacting around her. And 
I feel like the conflict of this episode works overall, and I feel like all of the characters, I understand their point of views more than I thought I did, because I just remember mm-hmm. this is the episode where the big Scoobies blow up, and also they're zombies. Yeah. But uh, Buffy's, like, throughout this episode, I know it's like, Buffy's kind of looking for people to lash out at her, almost, it seems like. Like, I almost wonder if Buffy wants people... It's a, it's a weird thing, like, Buffy almost wants that catharsis that they get at the end of the episode when they all yell at each other. She almost wants that sooner than she gets it. Well, I mean, she did, like, leave and abandon them and Mm -hmm. without words or anything, and they didn't know where she was. So she's, I don't know if it's something she wants, but it's probably something she knows is going to happen, so she's looking for it. Yeah, she's she's expecting it, and she, I don't know if she wants it either, but uh, I think she anticipates it and would rather face it head on until it just keeps building and building and building and she's just to the point where she's just like it's it's not happening i'm gonna i'm gonna just leave again at the end of the episode and then it actually happens and then things are kind of back to normal again but it's a lot of like people avoiding their feelings here and you'll see that i mean joyce is obviously having a tremendous amount of feelings and is not really talking about them she's just Mm -hmm. doing some interior decorating and making a lot of food (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then talking about how she wants things to go back to normal and then buffy starts to like broach the subject like buffy's the one that almost like you know you can just tell me and joyce is like no i just want i just want you know you to have a good time go on so i'm i'm kind of watching for this uh my notes are real jacked up on this episode because i watched it in three settings because that's the kind of week i've had um oh wow So my, my thoughts uh, of of the episode are a little disjointed, but I feel like there's a certain amount of Buffy that's looking to have that moment, like is ready for that moment to come, like is asking Mm -hmm. for it at times. And in a way, I think her choice at the end of the episode to pack her bag um, might have been that final cry for just, you know, give me something, quit pretending like everything's fine when clearly everything is not fine. But yeah, we'll get into that as the episode goes. But this is this is the first little hint of that. And I'm going to revisit that as we go through this episode with Buffy. Joyce says, go have a good time. And it's Buffy in the alley where where Buffy hears a noise and there's a dark figure. Uh, you can totally tell from the back of Xander. <laughs> like, even if you didn't know, you'd still be able to tell. Like, it was Xander. Yeah. It looked just like him. <laughs> <laughs> but that's still not the most awkward part about the scene because she comes up behind him and then just like steps on this soda can that just happens to be right in Xander's path that Xander managed to avoid so delicately and Buffy just crunches into. <laughs> yeah, like, why would she do that? Um, there is a part in the script book where it says when Xander turned around, he tries to plunge the stake into her chest and she barely manages to stop it with her hands. And that kind of made me think of faith and what happens later. Mm -hmm. How easy it is for someone who is like fighting vampires and stuff. Not necessarily the Slayer because this was Xander. Yeah. How easy that that would have been. He could have killed Buffy. Yeah. You know. When you're in that, when you are in that intensity when the adrenaline's pumping. Yeah. If it hadn't have been Buffy, but had been some other human that wasn't prepared for that, there is a good chance that Xander could have been in a very similar position that we later find Faith in. Yes. Because uh, Buffy has, you know, the abilities to stop that. Not any anybody else would have. So, Except yeah. Faith. Yeah, well, 
Uh, I like that he is accessorizing with crosses, giant crosses. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. And I wish they did that more often. Like, just all the crosses, please. <laughs> and, uh, of course, you gotta mention it. Buffy points the stake towards Xander and says, didn't anybody ever warn you about playing with pointy sticks? It's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye. Oops. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> I love Nicholas Brennan's performance here. Like just the shock of seeing Buffy. Oh, yeah. Is really felt. Um, and then he like starts to warm up as he realizes it's actually her and, and smile. And then of course it's interrupted by a vampire that bursts out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, where was he? <laughs> just squatting. Was in he the just box. like, <laughs> yeah, like watching the show? Yeah. So the vampire, you know, kind of flies at them and <laughs> jumps on them and, uh, they kind of both start to fight it. And then we hear something on a walkie-talkie come in, and it's Cordelia. And she is referring to Xander as Nighthawk, <laughs> which I kind of like as a nickname. And I really wish they had shared what everyone else's nicknames were. Yeah. Because I think those would be fun <laughs> to know. Obviously, Al, uh, Oz's would have to have be something to do with a werewolf. Yeah. It would have yeah. to be, the wolf would have to be somewhere in there. And in the episode, we don't really see them, like the walkie-talkies and stuff. But in the script book, it says that they are supposed to be Fisher-Price toy-style walkie-talkies. <laughs> the Only ones the that are best. painted bright primary colors and stuff. Those and everyone like, knows what I'm talking like about. no range at all. <laughs> right, but that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> Which I think would have been amazing yeah. if they had actually <laughs> shown them. Commit to the bit. <laughs> I was like, I actually rewound this scene. I was like, maybe I missed them. <laughs> I want to see the Fisher-Price walkie-talkies. <laughs> then everyone else shows up. Cordelia and Willow and Oz. And uh, they fight the vampire for a little while. And then Buffy stakes it. And the the imagery they use here with all four of her friends on the ground, like panting from the fight and her just mm -hmm. standing there having staked the vampire and they're all just staring at her. Mm -hmm. That's just, that is like perfect to, to show how awkward her homecoming is. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I, I feel like I'm so fascinated with Xander and Buffy stuff, this watch through, mm -hmm. but um, technically speaking, Xander was the last one to see Buffy before she left and the first one to see her other than Joyce when she comes back. And then yeah. you have all the others kind of rushed in there and they're knocked down one by one. And then you have this pan over as it reveals. Even in this early pan over, you can already see some of the awkwardness, especially with Allison Hannigan's performance of like, it takes a while before we get our first line of dialogue from Willow. Like, it takes a long bit because mm -hmm. Willow is processing all of this like crazy. Um, yeah. And uh, I almost wish that they had even held out longer before Willow talked. Uh, <laughs> and just To make Allison, it more obvious. Yeah, and just let Allison Hannigan be awkward in every scene because she's so good at it. But yeah, from there we cut to the Scoobies outside of Giles' apartment. And Buffy is nervous and asks what if he's mad and all of this stuff. Like, this is, again, like, she's definitely, like, expecting a blow-up. Yeah, Xander gives her her first little inkling that, that all is not well. Yeah. Even though he kind of phrases it as a joke. Yeah. And 
Like, it's interesting that Giles is the one that Buffy, like, explicitly says, you know, what if he's mad? Like, yeah, I don't think that she says that about really anybody else, even though I think she kind of expects it from everybody. But she explicitly says it about Giles. And Giles is the only person who's not present for the big blow up later on. Well, Giles is the only person who's not conflicted about her return. Yeah. And is not upset about it or, or mm-hmm. anything. He's just happy. Mm-hmm. And I like that they have this little beat where she she knocks on the door finally and G- Giles opens it. And I just wrote, acting. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's really good. There's nothing I could say about it other than the performances in this episode are great. And oh my god, this little bit and the little bit we get later in the kitchen of just Tony Head acting his ass off. It's so good. Uh, Xander has more banter. Check it out. The watch is back on the clock. And just when you're thinking career change, maybe becoming a a looker or a a seer. Uh, Which I think is hilarious. It's a great, it's a great Nobody else hit. thinks, nobody in the scene grinned or anything. It's not the time. It, it's not the time, but still. Oh, but it was so funny. It's a great joke. <laughs> and then eventually Giles just kind of says, welcome home, Buffy, and Buffy smiles. <laughs> Aw. And then yeah. the Scoobies are on the couch and there's the nice china on the coffee table. <laughs> well, because Yay. <laughs> I like how Giles brought out the um the nice china and later on Joyce wants the the company nice, plates. Yeah, the company plates, the nice plates. Like everybody's bringing out their best. But yeah, they're all kind of talking a little bit and Giles goes to get the tea. Oz casually mentions that Buffy isn't wanted for murder anymore, which is uh, good. That's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. It it begs some questions, though, because we talked about perhaps the reason that the cops were the way they were that was because they were, af- like, under some kind of control. So is it just because she was out of town? That she wasn't she wanted wasn't anymore? She wasn't a threat anymore, so the mayor was just like, okay, we'll just, we'll just now change all of this to where we're not having to track her down across the country. She's not an issue anymore. Uh, maybe that's a rationale about it, but... I don't know that he would care to, like, take her from the w- most wanted list unless his cops are so, like, mind-controlled that they would have literally followed her. <laughs> Across the country, yeah. They would have just traced her forever. <laughs> He's like, ah, dang it. <laughs> Giles in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that scene. Oh, God. That immense relief when Angelus turned back into Angel that Buffy felt before she realized that Akatha was still opening and all of that. It, it's, oh, yeah. it's kind of that same feeling, right? Of just that this has been Giles's like main driving force this entire summer. And we saw it in the last episode. This is what he's been spending all of his time doing. Is looking, looking for, for her. Buffy. Yeah. And wow, that's a, and it, it's a quiet, like by himself moment. Um, of just Tony Head acting his ass off. It's great. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. And then he brings out the spread, and it looks really good, too. My life would be complete if Giles were to serve me tea and biscuits. <laughs> oh, I would love for Giles to serve me tea and biscuits. So they kind of have a conversation, um, and they want to know what she was up to all summer. And she just says, I don't want to talk about it. It's a long story, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh which they talk about everyone or she, they talk about them taking over the slaying while she was gone and 
they offer to keep doing it. And she says she wants to get back to her routine and then ask who wants to hang out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And Xander immediately says, yeah, no, I'm busy. And then Buffy asks Willow, who is not sure. And then at that point, Buffy gets kind of pushy, Mm -hmm. which, you know, read the room. Yeah. And Willow kind of says she'll rearrange her plans and she'll hang out Mm -hmm. because she's Willow and she pleases everyone. And then Giles mentions about the principal and that's pretty much it. That was the conversation. Yeah. We, this is where we get the feeling that all is not going to be happy, back together again, friends forever type yeah, stuff in this not, episode. They're not entirely gelling. Um, yeah. I, I will say when Cordelia talks about how the outfits suck and that the whole Rambo thing is so over earlier in my notes, I didn't mention it then because I wrote it before they, we got to this line. I wrote, man, does Cordelia look awesome in that outfit? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so sad that she said, why would she do that to me? She looks so good. Uh, yeah, the Willow, Willow is particularly like awkward and uncomfortable in this uh, mm-hmm. scene. And the the pushiness that Buffy has to, it's almost like, you know, hey, I'm back. Rearrange your life for me. I don't feel like it's as, as on the nose as some of the other times where Buffy's kind of like looking for conflict. I feel like that may be more of like, this is what I expected from Willow in the past and what Willow kind of was, was always for me. Like she was kind of that person that I could just be like, okay, let's hang out. And she was like, yeah, sure. Um, but Willow has her whole bit at the end of the episode. And we've seen even in the last episode how much Willow has grown and changed and how much more is in Willow's life than just you know, the absence of Buffy. So <laughs> I think that that's a, a nice little seed planted of like Willow being like, I've got other things going. Like, I feel like Xander maybe not to put the worst light on Xander, but I think Xander is perhaps making up excuses a little bit more than like Willow probably legitimately had stuff going on. Um, yeah. Whereas Xander, I'm not sure. Cause there's just that weird exchange between him and Cordelia when he's just <laughs> like, Oh, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> and Willow seems to like legitimately like no I've got plans <laughs> but she's still she's still Willow like she still like says oh I'll I'll try you know I'll rearrange what I got going on I'll rearrange my schoolwork so we can yeah. hang out um but it's like you can't just force things back to normal and I think in a weird way that's what Willow and Buffy are trying to do for a chunk of this episode Willow especially is kind of just trying to force things to be normal when they can't be or avoiding it when she knows it could be a situation where she'll actually have to talk about how she's feeling. <laughs> so the next scene is when Buffy and her mom are in Snyder's office. And they're discussing Buffy coming back to school and Snyder is being incredibly obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Joyce is saying, you know, you don't have the right to keep her out of school. And Snyder is saying, I do. I do have the right and the pleasure, you know. And then he says what I think might be the only funny thing that Snyder ever says. Buffy was cleared of all those charges. Yes. And while she may live up to the not a murderer requirement for enrollment, she is a troublemaker. That always struck me as funny. Mm -hmm. And he's not usually very funny. Then he makes some jokes about her working at Hot Dog on a Stick. And they leave. And Joyce threatens him that it's not over. If I have to, I'll go all the way to the mayor. And as they leave, Principal Snyder says, wouldn't that be interesting? And it kind of makes me wonder, maybe the mayor does know who Buffy is. Mm-hmm. 
Like, because that, that kind of makes it seem like the mayor is aware of Buffy and who she is. Well, I mean, it would it would have to be, right? Because, like, Snyder yeah. even called after he expelled Buffy. He was like, did I do good, Mayor? Did I do good? <laughs> yeah, but we've talked a couple of times about how situations happen where we're not sure if the mayor knows. It the doesn't seem like he sure knows. for sure who, like, if Buffy's the yeah. slayer or what. Yeah. This may be a state-by-state state thing, but, like, in what reality... Does, like, the mayor and the city council have any power over a They school? don't. <laughs> they don't. Like, Joyce is just like, I'm going to take this to the mayor. <laughs> and I'm just like, what would that yeah. do? <laughs> well, she should have said the school board and then the super or the superintendent and then the school board. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. truthfully. And, and it'll, it'll happen again later. But anyway, there's some weird understanding of how these power structures work. But okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, from there, we get our whole little, like, first main street of... uh, Well, before we do that, there is a scene that was removed. Okay, well, I'll let you do that first. Okay. So, as Buffy and Joyce come out of Snyder's office, there is a scene with Giles in the hallway. Mm. Um, and it says they come out into the hall and Giles, who has been lingering but trying not to look like he's been lingering, approaches. And he says, well, how did it go? And Joyce says, have you ever noticed his teeth? They're like tiny little rodent teeth. And Giles says, oh, dear, (laughs) Joyce, horrible gnashing little teeth. You just want to pull them out with pliers. And Giles says, perhaps there's some way he can be overruled. Um, And at this point, they move away from Buffy talking and the bell rings. And we see all these students like moving with purpose around Buffy as she just stands there. Aw, that would have been a nice visual. I love, like, Joyce's just complete 180 on Snyder. Because there was a couple of times in season two where she kind of went more to Snyder's defense than Buffy. Even though Buffy, like, explained, like, oh, he's he got it out for me. Um, but, like, now Joyce is just like, I hate that man. I hate that man. I hate that man. It's great. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's not a fan. Definitely not a fan. But nobody is once they have more interactions with him. That poor sweet Snyder. Uh, <laughs> So then we go to our little, like, what the, the one street that exists in all of Sunnydale <laughs> that will, I think, get developed a little bit more um, later yeah. later on. But right now we've got the uh, 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 Espresso Pump. Is that the, yeah, that's the name of the coffee shop. Um, Joyce pulls up to it and is talking about maybe private school and... I like the line that Buffy says about what about homeschooling? You know, it's not just for scary religious people anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're not scary religious people. <laughs> for the record, anybody listening, Kim uh, homeschools her kids and I was homeschooled myself. So <laughs> Buffy is kind of just outside the espresso pump and is all sad because Willow stood her up. And it's one of many shots of Buffy just kind of being sad sad. (laughs) yeah it's a very melancholy scene yes which um then we have buffy walking up to her house and a very frumpy woman walks out and starts talking to buffy very familiar like she knows her and she is pat from joyce's book club (laughs) and says how she looked after joyce while buffy was off and away and Buffy kind of rolls her eyes about it a little bit. Yeah. And then 
she says, between your situation and reading Deep End of the Ocean, she was just a wreck, you can imagine. <laughs> Which, Deep End of the Ocean is literally, it, okay, I've read it, it's been a really long time, and it's about a little boy who's kidnapped yeah. and separated from his mom for a, years, I believe. Yeah. And so, I'm just like, why would she join a book club that's reading that book? Well, yeah, why that? Like, why not? I wanted that book club being like, um, maybe... Maybe we, we should read something else. Read something yeah. else. <laughs> so then, yeah. then Pat is like, um, she has uh, to take off so she can go make uh, empanadas at her Spanish class. Already, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention this a couple of times, but already Pat has like huge Ted vibes. <laughs> and even like in the next scene when Buffy enters in, she's like mentions Pat just the same way that she would mention Ted. She is like. Oh, Pat was here. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> Ted was around. And um, I have often, and many other people in the Buffy fandom, have talked about uh, both Spike's and Faith's bisexual energy that they have. But in this episode, man, I felt Joyce's bisexual energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is that I ship Joyce and Pat, and we're going to move on. Oh, really? <laughs> no. I, I shipped Joyce and Giles. I think Pat would have been good for Joyce. <laughs> Buffy wouldn't have had a great time with it, but <laughs> she gives she gives me um Ted personality vibes. Yeah, I mean he's like not creepy, but like she's got that, a type though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she does have a type, but not creepy, but like that cringy, overly familiar. Mm-hmm. I should not be saying this yet to this person type. Yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it honestly, this is a deeper conversation than I expected it, this to go, but it honestly wonders if that's like, because Joyce is so closed off that she needs someone who's going to be that aggressively friendly to even kind of make a connection with somebody. Because she's not going to try to make a connection with other people without them making the first move. Mm-hmm. So maybe she just needs very aggressively friendly people in order to make friends. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, Buffy enters the kitchen and Joyce says that Willow was held up, but she called and Buffy's like, well, um, did she leave a message? And again, like, like Buffy's got a lot of passive aggressive stuff going on within her. Yeah. She's just like, she's, she's ready for something. Okay. So there's a moment there when <laughs> Buffy asks Joyce, was there a message uh-huh. where Joyce gets this look on her face? Like she knows something she doesn't want to tell Buffy. Like, she's hiding something. Okay. That is, like, the impression I get. Oh. And it's like, well, I know that Willow was not gossiping about Buffy to Joyce. Mm-hmm. So what happened or what was said, because she really looks like she's there's something she doesn't want Buffy to know or she doesn't want to tell Buffy. Like, oh. One thing that I think that Willow might have done, and she may have not even said it explicitly, but may have just given the projection or Joyce was able to recognize it because Joyce could kind of feel to the same is that is something along the lines of, you know, I'm just not ready to see Buffy yet. Or like, I'm not ready to have that one-on-one talk with her yet. I don't think she would have said those words exactly, but I think that she could have maybe in her conversation with Joyce said something or, because Willow's not good at lying. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you realize this about Willow. She's not good at lying. So no. she was just like, oh, something came up and <laughs> like, I tell Buffy, I'll see her uh, um, when it is 
convenient for the two of us to have discourse. <laughs> so I feel like Joyce could have kind of had a read on that for sure. But I didn't notice any kind of look on Joyce when she said that. So, uh, but I, I, I like that headcanon that's now in my head that Joyce mm -hmm. and Willow are at least connected enough at this point that Joyce maybe have has felt that Willow, Willow's not in a place where she's ready to confront her emotions about Buffy either. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's where a lot of people are right now. But yeah, Joyce does say that Joyce suggests inviting Willow, Giles, and everybody over for dinner. And again, Buffy doesn't really respond. She kind of just like looks down and she, she does that a little bit of just like everything's awkward, everything's uncomfortable. And then Joyce fesses up that she already did. And so Buffy's like, okay, it'll be fun. And this is when we get to the company plates. Mom, Willow and everybody aren't company plate people. They're normal plate people. One of, like, the more sincere moments I think we've had between Buffy and Joyce is this little exchange where Joyce is just like, we never have guests over. Indulge your mother. Yeah. Again, Buffy interior decorating and food. <laughs> yeah. So Buffy goes down to the basement to get the company plates, which company plates when I was growing up were kept in the two little useless cabinets over the refrigerator that are in every house. I was thinking they have like a hutch in their dining room. That would be a logical place to store plates. A china well. hutch, yeah. yeah. It's a mean, nice plates. Seems like seems like that's kind of in the name. When she when she goes to get the the cardboard box that they put at the top of the shelf to hold the nice fragile plates in, <laughs> she gets distracted because she sees a picture. It's a framed picture. A very large print of this very kind of awkward picture. <laughs> Buffy and, and Willow are pretty cute in there, but like Xander's just like, his eyes are almost completely rolled back as he's like looking up at Buffy and hugging her legs. And it's just like, is that the picture that you would print and frame? Mm -hmm. <laughs> just like, that seems more like the, the silly printout that you have on your mirror, but like framed? Like take to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, again, another sad Buffy moment where she just sits and stares for a second and then she reaches up for the box and something falls down and it's a dead cat. Lovely. Dead, oh, lovely, lovely dead cat. Lovely. And it's a very bloody dead cat, too. Yeah. And it like, was clearly like mauled and then climbed into the basement somehow to die. But here's the thing. How did they not know there was a dead cat in the basement? Do they never go in the basement? Did they not smell the smell coming I'm from the basement? Sure. Now, their like laundry is downstairs in the basement, right? That's where they go to wash their clothes. So they have to occasionally yeah. go down into the basement. <laughs> Otherwise they just have a whole I lot mean, of I mean, and that basement clothes. is not so big. Yeah, that basement is not so big that you would not smell a decaying cat. Oh, I mean, I've had like an animal climb underneath my house and die before and the entire house reeked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like a mouse. And it's like... We'll sneak the entire yeah. house up. And also, you know, it's California. It's the, like, beginning of the school year, so it's hot. It has been hot, yeah. Oh, it does not smell good in that basement. <laughs> yeah, but nobody thought to... Well, I guess it was just Joyce over the summer. She didn't think to go check. All right, so they're outside. Buffy's digging a grave. And, uh... Joyce places the cat in the ground. It has been wrapped up in a plastic bag. I don't like that. <laughs> let that let that cat return to the earth. Don't seal it up in a bag. <laughs> Just 
planting plastic in your garden. What are you doing? Think yeah. of the environment. Um, <laughs> Joyce asked. Yeah, you know, and think of growing things in your garden <laughs> with that plastic there. <laughs> Joyce asks if Buffy wants to say something. <laughs> like what? Thanks for stopping by and dying. This is the start of Buffy's real, like, sarcastic phase of the episode. I feel like most of her dialogue for the next little bit is just sarcastic comments. <laughs> and then Joyce says, How about goodbye stray cat who lost its way? We hope you find it. Which makes you wonder if she was talking about Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. And Buffy again has a has a moment where she's just like, Aw, aw. And then she proceeds to bury the cat. <laughs> oh, they bury the cat. And we cut to the next scene and it's Buffy getting into bed and she it shows her going to sleep. Then we see Joyce in her room and it cuts to the mask whose eyes start to glow. And then we see the ground where the cat was buried start to move and a paw comes out and then a zombie cat. Mm-hmm. Not and currently it- wrapped in a plastic bag. Not wrapped in a Yes, he, he definitely not declawed because that cat got out of the plastic bag. And then the eyes and the mask burn bright red. And the cat runs across the yard to try to get into Joyce's room again. Or try to get into Joyce's so, room for the first so time, I guess. wouldn't it have been hilarious if the cat was the one to get to the mask? <laughs> and it was just I'm this a- cat running around with this demon face blinding <laughs> people. <laughs> Oh, boy. Buffy has one of her dreams. She's alone at the school, walking through the school, and then Angel comes up and stands beside her, and they talk about people waiting for Buffy, and Angel says, you better go, and Buffy says, I'm scared, and Angel says, you should be, Mm -hmm. which really doesn't have anything to do with this episode, but, you know, it was in there. Well, I think it shows what we already know. And it's a way to get David Boreanaz in the episode. <laughs> but it yeah. shows that, like, she's, even though she's here, she's not really ready to be here and to, like, be back with everybody. And ha- and that fear that she has, which is shown again and again and again when she was afraid of, outside of uh, Giles' apartment and, you know, even the chance that she ran- would win away again at the end of the episode is, uh, again, uh, perhaps a call for help or a call for, you know, yell at me, let's actually have this, or it could just be her being so afraid of everything that's going on and just ready to bail again. Um, But uh, I had a thought during this sequence of, like, man, wouldn't it have just been the, like, most horrendous thing if they just didn't ever bring Angel back and this is the only way that we got Angel throughout the entire (laughs) of the season? It was just him in Buffy's dreams. <laughs> Constantly. Then, yeah. Buffy's psyche as represented by Angel. Wouldn't that have just been the worst, but also potentially the best? <laughs> I'm trying to decide how I feel about that idea. <laughs> I don't know. But that's that's the thought I had during this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the school bell rings and it transitions to Buffy's alarm as she wakes up. And I'm sorry, but what teenager sets an alarm when they're not in school? <laughs> Yeah, that, I thought the same thing. I was like, she doesn't have to be anywhere. Why is she setting her alarm for 7 a.m.? <laughs> so in this next scene, we, we, we cut to the kitchen and Buffy's just kind of staring in the fridge and is completely zoned out. And I liked this little moment because I feel like it echoes a lot of the stuff that they did in 
season six when Buffy's dealing with depression and she just kind of zones out and stares at a point. And I just, I don't know like why it's so impactful for me, but anytime they're just like, okay, Sarah, go in this corner and stare. <laughs> and I just look at them just like, damn, that's powerful. <laughs> Joyce is talking, and apparently she actually did go to the superintendent, which, good on her. At least he seems more reasonable than that nasty little hard bigoted rodent man. And then she also mentions a private school, which Buffy recognizes as an all-girls school, and gets very upset about that. And this is where Joyce has her first potential little blow-up, where she mm -hmm. starts off with, Buffy, you made some bad choices, you just might have to live with some consequences, but then she, like, immediately is just like, oh, but it's not your fault. You have special circumstances. They should make allowances for you. <laughs> like, I mean, she immediately, like, goes back to that kind of avoiding confrontation as soon as she realizes that she's started that. And, yeah, I mean, Joyce continues to talk about, like, telling Snyder and the police. And then she's just like, you'd think they would be happy to have a superhero and then she's just like is that the right term i mean it's not offensive is it and that's when i was just like this is what they try to be woke on yeah <laughs> this after buffy just said it's not like i have to ride the little bus to school this is what they think might be the offensive term in this conversation joyce goes to take out the garbage and it's the dead kitty who runs it who Runs back in and immediately goes to Joyce's room. Mm -hmm. I wrote in my notes, I call him Snuggles, before I remembered that uh, Oz names him later <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> yeah, Oz names him Patches. <laughs> I like both names. Snuggles and Patches. Snuggly Patches. That's the full name. Uh, so Giles enters the front door. Buffy's like, welcome to the Hellmouth Petting Zoo. Again, like a lot of just Buffy sass in this section. Giles is... I, I guess getting the cat out from under Joyce's bed, I think, um, which is weird because I feel like the cat should be going after the mask um, and shouldn't be hiding under the bed. I mean, it is a cat. It probably still recognizes that these like people are going to catch much, me. How much of the essence of the cat is still in the zombie? That's what I want to know. That's the deep dive that we need to go into. Um <laughs> Joyce and uh, Giles kind of have this awkward moment, which is nice coming off of their actual confrontation from mm -hmm. last episode. But then they just start making small talk about the mask. And Buffy's all like, okay, we need to stop doing this. Let's go do research. And it's it's kind of, you, you find out once he gets to the point is, is trying to prevent Buffy from being upset about not being allowed on school property. But Giles uh, stays with Joyce and Joyce is like, no, go with Giles. So it's kind of interesting that Giles is saying that to kind of protect Buffy's feelings. But I'm wondering like Joyce saying go with Giles if that's almost like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to get into another conversation that could lead to an argument right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, Giles drops the bomb that she's not allowed on school property. And again, we get a little like sad Buffy. Buffy's just, she's just having a rough time this episode. <laughs> And Giles leaves with the cat. His new pet, Patches. His Snuggly, new pet. Snuggly Patches. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> Oz immediately is vibing with this cat. It looks dead. It smells dead. Yet it's moving around. That's interesting. Yeah. And he's like right up on that cage too. He's just like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So zombie cat. Which is, I find it real interesting this episode. I have always had a fear of zombies. Uh-huh. 
I mean, not if someone's dressed up as one for Halloween, that doesn't bother me, but like zombie movies and zombie shows like Dawn of the Dead and, mm-hmm. and well, any of them, The Walking Dead or whatever, they terrify me. I think it's because they swarm. Yeah. They never, ever bothered me in this episode. Like, they don't scare me in this episode. So, I have... I don't really know why. I have a, I have an idea, but we'll get to that when we get to the zombies. Um. Okay. <laughs> no, well, because it's, it it's a zombie cat. Yeah, so. that this this zombie cat is adorable. I would definitely have the zombie cat as a pet. Um, <laughs> it's it's my precious little snuggly patches. Um, but yeah, Cord- Cordelia says, "Do you like anything normal?" And Giles says he's not planning on taking it home as a pet. And I disagree. And this is when Oz says that they should call it patches. And Willow is worried about the dinner. Um, um, saying that Joyce is counting on them to bring stuff. Cordelia says that she's the dip. <laughs> Because it's stirring and not cooking. It's what she brings. And then, you know, we just got to play the Oz breakdown of different types of parties. That sound clip's got to go in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, gathering is brie, mellow song stylings. Shindig, dip, less mellow song stylings, perhaps a large amount of malt beverage. And hoot nanny. Well, it's chock full of hoot, just a little bit of nanny. So after Oz educates the room... <laughs> Yes. Uh, Xander is like, a gathering is going to be too mellow. Like, what would we talk about? And Willow suggests that, you know, Dingo's ate my baby play at the party. And Giles starts to kind of be the voice of reason and says, this is probably not what Buffy needs, but then immediately goes along with them anyway and doesn't even, you know, suggest maybe talking to Joyce, who is in fact <laughs> the homeowner of this uh and uh, planning the gathering yeah, like actually yeah. the person planning the gathering <laughs> mm-hmm. which i have uh several things to say about this gathering later <laughs> uh, i've got some notes oh man um and yeah and then you have this little scene where giles flips through a page without actually looking at it and we see the mask Ooh. and then it fades to buffy in her pink dress buffy wears a lot of pastel colors in this episode and this is when i like really it really sunk in like almost everything she wears is like a pastel blue or a pastel pink and i almost wonder if that's a wardrobe choice to kind of show that buffy's again trying to fake that things are normal and happy when they're not by like choosing those things to wear so buffy's sitting the table and the doorbell rings and it's pat she comes bearing empanadas um and this is where like Joyce comes down the stairs and Pat and Joyce, I think it's supposed to be like a peck on the cheek kind of kiss, but the angle that uh-huh. it's shot on, it looks like a full on kiss. And I'm just like, still that bisexual energy is just all over that. <laughs> yeah, I did not notice that. It just looked like a, a gr- greeting kiss to me. I did not see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the doorbell rings again. And this time it's Devin who's asking Buffy where she wants the band to set up. And she's just like, the band, and then we cut to the hoot nanny. <laughs> yes, at this hoot nanny, there are a drink table with multiple drinks set up. Mm-hmm. There is food tables with tons of food set up, mm-hmm. and paper products and all this stuff. Now, where did all this stuff come from? Because Joyce was planning a like dinner party, and I know these teenagers did not do that. They did not coordinate enough. To bring the snacks and was, the drinks. It was all Willow. 
and all that. That just did not happen. It was all Willow. <laughs> I think it was all Willow. <laughs> she came up with like boxes of party supplies just ready to go. <laughs> Bingo's Ain't My Baby is indeed playing. It's actually Four Star Mary, who is our band that plays all of the Dingo's Ain't My Baby song. I'm just going to list the three songs that they play because it's kind of intermixed and hard to bring up. They play mm-hmm. Sway, Nevermind, and then Pain, which is interesting because it's a repeat. It's been played in a previous episode. So I thought that was cool. Oh, interesting. Willow's like in full groupie mode, jamming out right near the band and Buffy goes Oh to yeah, talk she to is. Her. Oh, she's into it. <laughs> She is is determined to be a groupie. Yeah. In this episode. Like, okay, Willow. (laughs) Buffy kind of says, you know, she hoped it would have just been them. And Willow, like, is just like, can't hear you over the band. Just keeps pointing at her ears anytime Buffy tries to talk. And good on Buffy for at least, like, going back and asking Willow to come with her. And then asking if everything is okay. Because this is one of the few times that we've seen anybody really in this episode actually try to talk about their feelings (laughs) and yeah willow is super deflecting all of this suspicion that buffy has which is totally accurate like buffy is asking are you know is everything okay are we cool and when willow is just like oh i'm not avoiding you we're totally cool and this is a, just a big party to say that we're glad that you're back and wow <laughs> did i mention that willow's not good at lying <laughs> no not at all <laughs> buffy kind of just says okay and willow leaves to go be a groupie some more <laughs> yeah and then we get the first of many random cuts of this mask with its glowing eyes <laughs> And this time we go to a local crime scene and the dead bodies just like chilling there and its eyes open. <laughs> and then we're back to the party. Yeah, Buffy is is kind of not sure what to do after her conversation with Willow. So she turns a corner and walks right into Xander and Cordelia <laughs> who are making out. In the script book, it says they are in heavy petting mode, which I'm like, what? It's the teenage show. Yeah. Like on the air just just let's just go with kissing ew (laughs) yeah she tries to leave but xander sees her and is like hey buffy that's weird right (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah why would you stop kissing your girlfriend to say hi to buffy yeah it's weird right (laughs) and the way xander acts in this scene is incredibly i don't even know the word for it he's kind of obnoxious yeah like he's got in his voice Everything he says sounds kind of condescending. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And it's it it doesn't really make sense Mm-mm. like why he's trying to force this. Because he has an obvious thing to distract him there. Why, right? Like, and Buffy did not come <laughs> to confront him about any of this. So he's not trying to be like, oh, yeah, everybody's super excited to have you back. And Buffy's just like, yeah, even people I didn't know. And Zedder's just like, yeah, those people too. <laughs> um, like, it's one of those things where he's having this, like, forced conversation with Buffy that Buffy didn't ask for while Cordelia is just macking on him. <laughs> And I'm just like, would this happen? <laughs> Couldn't you have just had a moment where Buffy saw them and was just like, okay, they're clearly more interested in each other than me being back. I'll just keep moving on and had essentially the same effect. Yeah. <laughs> so you have this really awkward exchange. <laughs> Xander tries to get Cordelia's attention to like 
say that she's also happy that Buffy's back and and she's just like, oh yeah, totally. But then says that, you know, she was starting to get used to Xander and his whole boy slayer look and then calls him Nighthawk and then they continue to make out. (laughs) Yeah, and Buffy is is not happy with that conversation. I like how she she starts to like maybe politely excuse herself and then she's like, okay, leave. (laughs) And then we have the mask again. This time we cut to a hospital. They're calling a burn victim and he gets up and attacks them all. He looks horrible. He does. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I'm not sure if I would have spent a lot of time trying to resuscitate that one. (laughs) It looks pretty rough. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And then we're back to the hoot nanny. (laughs) I love these cuts. They're so good. (laughs) Yeah. In the script book fair, none of them are in that order. All of those cuts that we just did. They were all mixed up. Nice. That's why you keep hearing pages turn. <laughs> <laughs> so that we have Joyce and Pat in the kitchen, right? That's next. Yep. And they are going to, they find a drink to drink and it's peach snops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Pat does her little thing. How are you holding up? Buffy kind of walk. she's walking toward the kitchen and she hears the end of what Joyce says, which is basically that it's almost worse having Buffy home than it was with her gone. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of meaning it's in the first couple of days. It's awkward. We haven't worked through it yet. Mm -hmm. So it's worse and it's going to be worse until it happens, which is what I assume she meant. Yeah. But that's all Buffy hears. And she goes up to her room and starts packing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I wrote Buffy overhears because of course she does. (laughs) Yes, of course she does. So the mask glows again. We get a nice shot of zombies just approaching the camera headed towards mm-hmm. the Summers household. And then we're at the library and Giles finds that page that he missed before and he calls the Summers house and a, a lovely party goer answers, very politely answers the phone for the Summers while talking about how someone has to do a shot. <laughs> So, in the script book, he is described as Stoner Dude. Stoner Dude. Nice. Stoner Dude. Um, Giles asks for Buffy. The Stoner Dude asks for a bunny to the room. Nobody answers because I'm pretty sure nobody even heard him if he had gotten the right name. Um, right. And he's, he's very uh, pushing that this guy has to do a shot. In my notes here, I've just got high school. Yeah. Like, yeah. where did they get this liquor? Yeah. Willow got it's it. It's like bad <laughs> Magical liquor with magical snacks and paper products and stuff. You know, that's, yeah. yeah. Willow got it. Willow, really? She's changed a lot over the summer. Yeah. Probably Oz got it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, eventually the stoner guy just hangs up on Giles uh, and Giles immediately goes into action. Well, of course. Yes. And then we have this scene... With all the tears. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All the tears were had in this scene. Willow comes in and sees Buffy packing and immediately confronts her very aggressively, which is about damn time, Um, and says, are you leaving again? Well, don't forget to not write. And yeah, there's just a bunch of exchange where Buffy's like, I'm trying. And Willow's like, well, it looks like you're giving up. And... Buffy says, you don't know what I've been going through. And Willow finally starts to open up and says, I'd like to. And then there's this back and forth about them avoiding 
um, having this conversation and Willow says that, you know, I've been going through stuff too. And it's not just not having you around, you know, it's just like I'm, I'm dating a werewolf. I'm studying witchcraft. I'm killing vampires. And I didn't have anyone to talk to about all this scary life stuff. And you were my best friend. And there's just tears everywhere. <laughs> Everybody has all the tears in this scene. Mm -hmm. In the scene, there's a line. Mm -hmm. After Willow gives her little speech about how she's doing witchcraft and dating a werewolf and didn't have anyone to talk to about all this scary life stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's a line that is that was cut out. And it says... Then you came back and you didn't even ask about me. You just worried about whether or not I was mad at you. Which, I know that the, that line wasn't in the episode. As I read the script first and then I watched the episode mm -hmm. and I was waiting for it. I didn't remember it from, you know, having watched it before. And it didn't happen. I was like, well, maybe they realized it wasn't true. Because Willow never gave her a chance to yeah. ask about it. Willow was literally never alone with Buffy. Yeah. Or even, like, beside her. Mm -hmm. Like, at all. Yeah. So she didn't have a chance to ask. Which, I mean, Buffy made some bad decisions, but, but oh, yeah. that wasn't one of them. Well, and I think, like, if the earlier stuff had been different, I think that that line, that line could have been handled really well. Because that is something that, I think, since the show is structured in a way that Buffy is kind of the center of everything. She is the 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 main focus and everybody else is just a satellite around her kind of stuff that we tend to give her all the focus and don't give other people the focus of like, you know, we're, we're developing individuals as well. And like having Willow call that out in this scene, she's just like, you know, this isn't just about you. It's about me and the stuff that's changing in my life and mm -hmm. the stuff that I'm going through. Um, and had there been an exchange where, Buffy and Willow had had a conversation and Willow had started to talk about something and Buffy had like, you know, pushed away from that conversation. And then this line would have been delivered. I thought that I think that that would have been a really good line, but I don't really see that as a scenario. So yeah, it's just kind of a line that I think was written into the script. And then fortunately, somebody caught it and was just like, no, that's not true. <laughs> and I don't think that would have been true had they even because Buffy was the one who didn't want to talk about the mm -hmm. stuff that happened over the summer. She would have very happily, I think, listened to Willow. If that oh, yeah. she didn't Definitely. have to talk about her summer. <laughs> right. So this is the beginning of the blow up, right? You know, this yes. is the start of it between Willow and Buffy. And, you know, this this episode is a lot about people not talking about their feelings until people talk about their feelings a whole bunch. <laughs> um, and uh, here they're having this. And I feel like they're getting really close to having a moment that would really break through some some walls and really make them okay with each other again. Like, I feel like <laughs> if they had been uninterrupted for just, like, a minute or two longer, then Buffy and Willow would have figured out a way to just be fine in the conversation. Because they were getting somewhere with it. They were actually talking about their feelings and getting somewhere with it. But then, like, later Willow, like, completely does a 180 again and is just furious at Buffy. <laughs> so it's like... This is the, the start of the blow up and had it just been this scene and they didn't really mess with Willow again later, I think that this would have been a fine start and then it escalated because obviously Joyce and Xander have both shown to be more hot-headed than Willow mm -hmm. is. But the yeah. whole line later where Willow is just like, you know, might as well try violence. I'm just like, Willow, 
Willow. <laughs> I know you said you said you were trying to be sarcastic, but Willow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so I just wrote for this next scene, Giles' line, because we all know the line and we all know I'm going to play the sound clip for it. But Giles' line. Do you like my mask? Isn't it pretty? It raises the dead. Americans. <laughs> oh, oh, love it. <laughs> And I don't know, have you seen the masks with that? I have. On it, I came very close to buying one. (laughs) But then I was like, you know, maybe it's not appropriate with it raises the dead, considering what's going on. So I didn't. But yeah, I really thought about it. There's a fine line there, but it is. Uh, I was very excited when I first saw it. I was like, oh my God. And then I was just like, "Mm, uh." yeah, maybe not. (laughs) But I know that they have it. So, while driving in his wonderful Giles Mobile, he hits a zombie, um, doesn't realize it's a zombie at first, checks on him, then realizes that it's a zombie and gets grabbed by said zombie, and then three more zombies show up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that I would have stopped. <laughs> like, he knows that there are now zombies, mm-hmm. that this mask is raising the dead. I don't think I would have stopped. Or I at mean, least the guy not, was- like, gotten so close to check the body <laughs> <laughs> or yeah with my car so far away and taking my keys out who takes their keys out of the car for that yeah the, you just the leave them in th- the car these things real dumb like why would he even turn the car off and take them out of the ignition <laughs> he's got to save on that gas <laughs> so yeah he's trying to get back in the car he finally gets in and locks the door and then uh he realizes the keys are on the pavement outside Mm-hmm. So, it, with Shades of Ripper happening, he hotwires his car. Shades of Ripper. Yeah. God. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> we finished that scene up a little prematurely, but it's okay, because there's just a lot of cuts in this last section. And honestly, we got to Shades of Ripper, and I'm happy about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, go back from Giles to the scene between Buffy and Willow. And Buffy's like, you know, I wanted to call every day. Like, they're still kind of in that conversation. And Joyce enters. And she's mad. She's just... Well, she's not mad till she sees the bag on the bed. Yeah, but I mean, she comes in and what is this? And then Willow says that she was running away again. And there's a confrontation between Buffy and Joyce. Whereas Buffy's just like, I'm not sure. And Joyce is like, get sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and a lot of Buffy's commentary through a lot of this is is just, I don't know. Like, you know, yeah. basically, I don't know over and over again. Anytime anybody asks or, you know, confronts her in any way, she's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know how to deal. I don't know what I'm doing. All of this. Mm-hmm. Um, she runs downstairs. Basically trying to get away. Yeah. Just trying to get, like out of that situation Joyce follows using the don't you dare leave this house young lady bit again which is didn't work the last time so I'm not sure what she was thinking she was going to do this time um the party stops around them band stops playing everybody kind of starts watching and it gets more and more awkward as this progresses and you can see in the background some some people try to leave yeah like there's people are like oh yeah we're we're gonna go now but yeah, Joyce is full confrontation mode and says that Buffy put her through the ringer and she's had schnapps. 
which is true. And yeah, Joyce is saying, you know, do you have any idea what it's been like months of not knowing if you were dead in a ditch or living it up? And when she says this, she's so angry and this prompts Buffy's response of, you know, you told me, you said if I leave, don't come back. You found out who I really was and you couldn't deal. A lot of the stuff in the next, in this scene, uh, seems very remiss reminiscent of someone coming out yeah i was about to say it feels like we're doing that again i feel like this is better because it's not as much of a jokey jokey ha ha mm-hmm. um it's more of a serious i'm not who you expected me to be but also as this progresses there's a lot that's revealed <laughs> in front of this crowd of people <laughs> well they don't get specific about it well just that she's different yeah like i would be surprised i would be surprised if like the next week at school there's not a rumor that buffy's gay well that if if this conversation was overheard today that would be exactly what everyone would be talking about and sure that works until cordelia gets to her bit (laughs) but we'll get there in just a second Joyce is just like, I'm not perfect and you're you you're punishing me for my mistake and Buffy's like, I didn't do this to punish you and Xander's like, Well you did. You should have seen what you put her through. So this is when Xander jumps in and then Buffy asks for other volunteers and Jonathan's like, I'm good. Um <laughs> There was a, a really small scene earlier at the party cutout where Jonathan is trying to hit on a girl and she's having none of it and we find out he has a moped. Aww. But it's not really a, it was just (laughs) like a real quick one or two line thing. So yeah, then Xander flat out calls Buffy selfish and stupid. Yeah, that things escalate. (laughs) Buffy's like, you know, I I screwed up. I know this. You have no idea what happened or what I was feeling. And Xander is like, did you try to talk? And I'm just like, I'm pretty sure she tried to make plans with both you and Willow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure this whole I, evening was going to be a quiet dinner party where you would have an opportunity to talk with each other and you decided to make it a hootenanny. <laughs> see, I think he meant before she left. I got the impression that he meant, did you even talk to anybody before you ran away? Yeah, that reflects here because Buffy's like, I couldn't, I had to deal with this on my own. And this is when... <laughs> Xander's like, you can't just bury stuff. It'll always come right back up to get you. And this is when we have the little bit where Giles realizes that his keys are still on the road. And then he hot wires the car and says, like, riding a bloody bicycle and drives off. This is the actual, like, moment where they take time to uh, go back to becoming part one and talk about the way that Xander was acting in becoming part one when Buffy's just like, you know, Xander made his feelings completely clear about her and Angel and that. Xander's like, I'm sorry, your honey was a demon. So that's oh, something. Yep. Could be. That's not good. Could just be a, you know. A, a figure a of speech. Or some sort, you know. Yeah. Jerk, demon, sure. But then Cordy goes on to put herself in Buffy's shoes and says, okay, I'm a freak of nature and I need a freak for a boyfriend. Turns out to go into like a killing spree, which is my fault. <laughs> Get out of my shoes. Right. Well, nothing Cordelia says could be, I mean, they could just assume she was dating a serial killer. Yeah, going into a killing spree feels like it's a bit of a drop for this crowd. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, this is Sunnydale where everyone forgets everything immediately. Oh, yeah, obviously. We don't have to worry about any of this. And Cordelia's yeah. like, I'm just trying to help, which 
again, going back to becoming part one, there was a, a moment there where Cordelia, again, was trying to be a little bit of a, a mediator. She's not very good at it yet. She's not very developed, but you can see that that's kind of instinctually there. She just doesn't know what words to say or how to, you know, it's that whole tact thing again. <laughs> Willow starts to say something and Buffy says that she can't take it from her too. Xander, um, in pretty typical Xander fashion, anytime anybody cuts off Willow or steps on Willow's toes, gets very upset. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to point out that he defends Willow here, but he does not defend Cordelia. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, man, it escalates real bad here between Buffy and Xander. And they even, like, approach each other, like, sizing each other up. And enough so that Oz gets nervous and feels like he needs to step in. Um, mm -hmm. Which is, is odd, because Xander knows that she can kick his butt. Oh, yeah. So, like, what are you doing, Xander? It's real dumb. <laughs> but yeah. also, like, I kind of buy it, because Xander's sometimes real dumb. <laughs> yeah, true. Um... And then this is the line that I feel like Willow is kind of weird on. She's just like, no, let them go. You know, talking about it isn't helping. Might as well try some violence. And then a zombie <laughs> yeah, breaks through the living room. It's clearly a line set up to just have a zombie smash through the window. But like... A living room window that is like, I swear, broken at least three times every season. Oh, easy. <laughs> at least. They finally make comments on it in season seven. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that takes too long <laughs> for him to make comments about this. Uh, yeah, I'm just glad that yeah. they wrote in the whole Xander going into construction because that explains so much in like the later seasons of how they were able to repair stuff. Yeah. So immediately as zombies are attacking and, you know, snapping stoner guys necks and stuff like that, Buffy goes into action, throws like a, I guess, a fire stoker poker thingy um, at Xander to Xander telling him to take the kitchen. And he says he has her back. Like they're immediately in, in sync again. Um, well, and, and I really love the way it goes to emergency and they immediately start working together. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the, I got your back line is weird. Yeah. It's a little, little on the so nose. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's like, what, yeah, would he really say that, or like, would he just head to the kitchen? It's you know, it's like that you could. We could have figured it out. Yeah, it's it's but, like you, you didn't expect your audience to figure out that oh, they're just working together now because that's what they're actually like. You know, you actually have to say these words in order for the audience to get it, and you don't have to do mm -hmm. that. <laughs> um, yeah, it felt it feels like he should have said that. It's very awkward. Yeah, and a weird time and place mm -hmm. to do it. They could have showed it by them like fighting back to back or something like that. Yeah, or like passing each other and, and handing each other weapons or something. You know, there were a lot of ways to do it without that weird "got your back." Yeah, or even just saying something like "I'm on it." Like I feel like yeah. "I'm on it" would have flowed better and would have. Still oh, definitely. Any, any, yeah. It's just weird. Yeah, what he says there, um, and it, it's in the script book. They wanted him to say it. Yep. Right after that, there's this weird part where Joyce says, are these vampires? And I feel like it's pretty obvious these are zombies. <laughs> like, this is... Uh, Joyce can be forgiven. She is new to all this, even though you would think anyone that just knows anything about popular culture would realize zombie. Mm -hmm. But then Buffy says, I don't think so, and tries to stake one. And when it doesn't work, 
says, no, not vampires. Now, mm-hmm. why does Buffy think these are vampires? She knows what a vampire looks like. It's, yeah. I, don't, I don't like that scene at all. It's very weird. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm cutting to uh, the wish where she makes the line about, you know, staking some, somebody in the heart with a, with a wooden stick. And Giles mm-hmm. is just like, they're not a vampire. And she's just like, you'd be surprised how many things that works on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, almost like the shock there is more the fact that she just shoved something into this thing's chest and it's still moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, right before that, though, Joyce is watching Buffy fight one of these zombies and like picks up a vase and hits him over the head with it. And like throughout all of this, I just notate that Joyce is a badass. <laughs> like she is in this fight. Uh, in the kitchen, Xander and Cordelia are fighting another zombie. Xander whacks it. Cordelia like stabs it with something that she finds. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I guess a knife of some sort. Uh, something. Huh? Um, and Pat is kind of outside of the kitchen in that center hall that goes trying out. Trying to hide. Yeah. I would be and, trying to hide. And is grabbed. Um, Xander has the great line of, you know, this guy wobbles, but he won't fall down. Then we cut back to the living room and Joyce, Devin, and Oz are like manhandling the zombie out the front door, which is just a fantastic combination of people. <laughs> there are lots of interesting combinations of people in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Buffy is shouting that they need to barricade the door and that they need help. Xander says he's got it as her, as he and Cordelia have the zombie pinned. So Cordelia runs to help Buffy. And then there's the most awkward cut where Cordelia walks in and the zombies break through the front door and Xander is somehow inexplicably there. So is there a scene cut from this section? Um, there is not. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Xander just teleports into the <laughs> to the front of the house because <laughs> he's there to run upstairs with him. But I like actually watched it frame by frame, and it's not even like he runs around; like he is just yeah. suddenly with the group at the door. <laughs> yeah, it says that Cordy enters as the others finish putting up the barricade. Their fortress seems to be holding, and everyone breathes a sigh of relief. Buffy, great, good job, every. And then smash, the barricade comes tumbling down, and it's zombie Rama again. again. Everyone freaks and scatters. Uh, Devin, Jonathan, and other miscellaneous guests beat (laughs) it out of the living room and into the basement, where uh, they race down the hall. Buffy enters the hall and encounters Xander returning from the kitchen. She grabs him and calls to the others upstairs. Did they just realize that that was going to be incredibly awkward to film? <laughs> I guess so. And then it says that Oz and Cordy help Joyce go up the stairs and end up running right into a zombie who comes crashing through the front door, forcing them to change directions. And there is an incredibly long scene that was cut here. This is Cordelia and Oz. And Cordelia says, oh, goody, back to the basement. You know, because she's been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're at the hallway outside the basement door. Jonathan, Devin, and several other guests are in the basement. They close the door just before Cordy and Oz arrive. Oz and Cordy pound on the door, but it won't open. Cordelia, come on, let us in. It's Cordelia and Oz. Jonathan, but how do we know you're not a zombie pretending to be Cordelia? Zombies don't talk. But how do we know? Maybe they do in real life. Maybe only pretend pretend zombies don't talk. Cordelia, well, maybe they talk in real life, but I think they would have 
you know, dapper sort of gravelly voices. And then Oz notices a large zombie lumbering toward them and tells her zoology can wait. I'm sorry. Zombology can wait. Zombology. Yes. And drags her away. Yeah. (laughs) And then we go upstairs to everyone upstairs in Joyce's bedroom. Nice. (laughs) And I just, while I was reading that, you know, I read it when I was prepping for the podcast, but when reading that, is the first time I realized it said zombology and not zoology. Nice. <laughs> Which makes more sense. Yeah. Xander, Willow, Buffy, Joyce, and a a drug in Pat in, in Joyce's bedroom. Joyce is checking on Pat and says she's dead. And the zombies are trying to push through the door. And so all all four of the uh, alive people are holding the door while Joyce is asking, what do we do if they get in? Xander's like, I think we die. And then mm-hmm. the mask glows <laughs> and Pat opens her eyes. Yeah. Uh, which, so she apparently had died and became a zombie that quickly. Yeah. Which, in the script book, it says that she's moaning on the stairs when oh. they help her in. So apparently she died when they drug her into the room. Maybe. It happened real fast. I'm also just wondering, so she was in the downstairs hall. Mm-hmm. She got upstairs somehow and died right outside of the room. Well, that- no, she they she died as they were dragging her in because in the script book, when they find her, she's moaning. No, but like w- what we see on screen, mm-hmm. she is she's right outside of the room. So she was either... She either fled from the zombie or somehow a zombie drug her up there. Perhaps she fled from a zombie. I'll gi- give the benefit of the doubt there. But he was like, going to save her for later? No, I'm just mm-hmm. like, she was right outside of Joyce's room and the door was wide open and the mask is in there. What was that zombie's priorities? <laughs> okay, good point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand the motivation of these zombies is what I'm saying. Maybe she died of fear? The character development on these zombies is not done nearly well enough. <laughs> You think they're after the mask, but maybe they're just after, like, fun terror and and killing people. But they don't want to eat the victims. They just want to leave them mostly dead, lying around, maybe? I don't know. Fully intact. (laughs) I mean, we do know that zombies don't eat the flesh of the living unless instructed to. So that is Buffy canon. Uh, So then we have a completely black screen. And Cordelia saying, I don't hear anything. Should we check? And Oz agrees. Um, there's a little bit where uh, is Cordelia says, is that your foot? And Oz says, oh, sorry. And oh. then I don't hear anything. Should we check? Oh. Not important. Just a <laughs> it was another cut. line. It was cut from the episode. They exit the closet and Cordelia pulls out what appears to be ski poles, which begs the question, why do they have ski poles? <laughs> Maybe they went skiing. Like Buffy and her mom have ski poles. Why would she's lived in California her entire life? It seems. Aren't there places in Northern California where you ski can ski? Is it enough? Like I know she likes ice skating, but is it enough of a hobby that they would have to own their own ski poles? Oh well, in every TV show ever, the house has ski poles. I think they just come with a house. Oh. When you buy it, if yeah. you're on TV. Okay, that makes sense. I get. It's you. true though. I, I mean, get you. yeah. Yeah. And it's golf like clubs. They all have that, golf clubs, that, too. That, like, uh, badminton rackets. Yeah. Yeah. Those are what are in closets. <laughs> yeah. No matter no matter where the house is. Yeah. 
Or how sporty the family appears to be. (laughs) So Oz and Cordelia run into Giles. And uh, Cordelia says, how do we know it's really you and not zombie Giles? At which point Giles says, Cordelia, please stop being tiresome. (laughs) And she knows it's really him, which I find. I like that one. I really like Giles in this episode. Oh, yeah. Solid through and Uh, through. (laughs) So... We get the the name drop. Don't forget about the name drop. Oz is like, I think the dead man's party is upstairs. Ah, name drop. Uh (laughs) Yeah, and Giles points out that it's the mask they're uh, after and it's upstairs and explains what will happen if someone gets the mask, which they'll become, you know, a demon. And uh, then we're back in Joyce's bedroom where they're still fighting zombies and Pat sits up. And Joyce sees her and gets really excited. Oh, God, Pat, we thought you were. And then it says Pat shoves her roughly aside and falls on the mask. But, I mean, she kind of just pushes Joyce and Joyce lands on the bed and rolls off the other side. Like, it's a very gentle push, a very gentle landing. (laughs) Pat grabs the mask and puts it on her face and it welds itself to her face. And she becomes a zombie. And then all the other zombies start cowering and and scared of the Pat zombie. Mm-hmm. Well, she was already a zombie, right? She turned into the demon. Well, yeah, Pat demon. Yeah, because it's a and, zombie demon. And then, right? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gotta get my terminology correct here. <laughs> and zombie Pat can are is still calling her zombie Pat in the script. That's demon right. zombie Pat. Demon zombie. It's a demon zombie. That's what yeah, Giles says, earlier. Yeah, she can talk now. And she says, I live, you die. Yes. So, yeah. So, zombies may or may not be able to talk, but demon zombies can. Mm-hmm. We're still waiting on confirmation for zombies. Buffy gets weakened by, like, this kind of bright flash that comes from the demon zombie's eyes and is knocked down. And then mm-hmm. she tells Willow to not look, and Willow just stands and stares anyway. And... Buffy struggles up and grabs Demon Zombie Pat and rushes through the window because this house needed more damage done to it. Um, well, yeah. And they fall down into the yard. <laughs> and they roll they even, off the roof. They even hit the, like, banister on the porch on the way down to, like, just all all of the, the destruction damage that they could do, they did. Um Yes, and then the the three, Giles, Cordelia, and Oz, again, great grouping, love it, um, are on the stairs heading up, and they hear the crash and start to head back, and then a zombie, who's just apparently been chilling, um, rounds the corner. <laughs> um, and I don't know for sure, but this, this zombie looks like a lot like the guy that played Dylan in season one. Oh, okay. Was that season one? Where they tried to make Cordelia into a zombie for him. Oh. That guy. It looks that a lot was, like that him. Was and the it might be. Of season two. I didn't remember. Cause, okay. Cause yeah. na- it was very early season two. I didn't remember his name or. Um, I Like, he definitely looks like that character, though. Like, I noted that. And I think he's in the group earlier when it's like the wide shot and there's several of them. Because I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, that kind of looks like the, the football jock that was brought back. So, uh, there's a couple quick cuts. You have Buffy running from Zombie Demon Pat, um, shouting, not looking, not looking. (laughs) And then you have a quick cut upstairs, and it's Joyce Willow and Xander fighting a zombie. And 
It's mainly just Joyce fighting this zombie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> zombie demon Pat knocks Buffy down. Buffy covers her eyes. Then you have a cut to Giles telling Oz to run and tell Buffy to go for the eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he's running out, Buffy's picking up a shovel, but is flashed again by the zombie demon Pat, who uh, hears Oz come out and then turns around and does the same little like flashbang to him. And then Buffy drives the shovel into zombie demon Pat's eyes. <laughs> and Oz is just well, like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I love when he says, never mind. <laughs> There's another scene uh, later on where he says he does something like that that's really funny. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, um, gingerbread. Anyway, it's the one where the town goes crazy hunting for witches. Yeah, gingerbread's the name. Yeah. Of that episode. Then we have all the zombies begin to disappear. Like all the, mm-hmm. when, when Pat dies, all the zombies just like they vanish. Dis- they disappear, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, because zombies do that. <laughs> like, I'm guessing they appear back in their graves. I don't know. But here's my question. How do they explain what happened to Pat? I mean, are they? do they just, like, when her family starts looking for her, are they just like, oh, she never made it here? Yeah. Because she vaporized. Like, mm-hmm. there's no body. Yeah. She partied too hard. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I'm assuming, like, she has a family or somebody and she told them where she was going. Yeah. You act like we haven't had this conversation like a hundred times at this point. It <laughs> is still valid. We're only we at the beginning of com- season three. <laughs> we will have several. We will have this conversation several times during every season. Yes. Because it is valid. It is valid. Sometimes um, you have to explain where the vaporized zombie demon goes. Yeah. That's for Joyce to deal with. <laughs> That's Joyce's problem. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The police are out to get Buffy for stuff. <laughs> They might try pinning it on her. Mm-hmm. But they all vanish, and except for the damage to the house, which does not miraculously repair itself. No. Wouldn't it be are... great if that was built into, like, a demon's magic? Hey, if mm-hmm. you kill me, all the damage I did will magically disappear. Oh, man, that would be great. That would be nice. Joyce runs downstairs, you know, frantically looking for Buffy, and, and she embraces her. I got this lovely little exchange where Joyce is like, is this a typical day at the office? And Buffy's just like, this, this was nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Which Which is kind of true. She's not wrong. (laughs) And then everybody kind of awkwardly gathers. Um, Xander and Buffy exchange compliments. Um, And then Willow and Buffy hug. And we're all good. Everything's fine. It's still not as good as the, you know, we could, you know, smash the bones of our enemies but heck we did that last night uh and then we have this scene which part of me loves this scene and part of me hates this scene really (laughs) i love this scene because tony head has a great performance but also like like what's the what's the what is he trying to do here because he even admits he's just like yeah you're powerful in local circles so i'm literally gonna push you up against a file cabinet and threaten you yeah. So I enjoy this scene because, you know, I started watching this show when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And so I was way closer to the ages of the, the Scooby gang than to Giles. But I'm 41 now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this Giles in this uh, show has not aged and he's hot. Oh, yeah. Like I'm all about Giles now. 
I'm yes. like, he is very, this scene very, is amazing. He's very attractive, and the performance is great. I just don't understand the reasoning to get her back into school. Yeah, but like, I'm I'm there until he actually becomes physical, and then I'm just like, is that just him getting hot headed himself? Like his ripper is showing, and he doesn't think it's like. That's not a strategic move. The mm. other moves feel strategic and they feel like legitimate in, even though it's, again, that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> or Snyder's just like, oh, take it up with the city council. And Josh is like, I'm going to go to the state with this. I'm just like, no, this is still like a school issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> um, well, nowadays you would just go to the media. Yeah. <laughs> truth <laughs> you just feel like okay i'm gonna see if this could go viral on facebook and a news channel will pick it up and yep. you know, then we'll that'll get justice they'll do it every time but yeah like the just going in and basically explaining that i can make things difficult for you professionally speaking i think that makes a lot of sense and has a lot of strategy to it but i think him like actually getting physical there is too much and it may have just been this is his ripper showing and you can't like sometimes he can't control his ripper um mm -hmm. but it it even though it's a great performance and i love the smile that he has when he said that smile like, is yeah everything yeah would you like me to convince you that smile is everything oh, yeah. and even just the little head shake it's the slightest little head shake but even the little head shake that mm -hmm. snyder has after he hears that and he's like actually yeah i'm i don't I don't want to be convinced, no, sir. <laughs> um, but strategically, I have problems with it because I don't really think it's the right move on Giles's part. Uh, but the performance is great. Performance is top notch. So I love oh. this scene, even though there's parts of it that I'm just like, but why would you do that? Why would you do it that way? Like, you still, like, work at the school with this man. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> and he, I mean, it... If he hadn't just talked about the fact that Snyder... Now, Snyder has probably less power than he thinks he has. But yeah. Giles is willing to admit that Snyder has power in local circles. And I'm just like, you know... <laughs> Obviously, Giles has more connections than Snyder does. Because Giles has connections through the Watchers Council and through everything else that's much bigger than, you know, the Sunnydale City Administration. Um... <laughs> Mm -hmm. but um like still he he should have been able to piece together that the cops acted irrationally towards buffy just yeah. a few months ago and maybe maybe not you know making the local circles target him <laughs> is a good idea you're right <laughs> it doesn't make sense but i just i enjoyed the scene so yeah. much it's you know you 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 love it and it's because of the performance that I love it. Um, mm -hmm. If the performance hadn't been very good, then I would have been like, this is the worst. But, you know, Tony Head sells everything. Uh, yeah. So then we're back at um, the coffee shop. And Willow was talking about, like, witchcraft and stuff. And that's pretty cool. I like when that happens. Um, she says that she tried communicating with the spirit world and blew the power out for her entire block. Yeah. And Buffy says that, you know, she wished that she could have been there for Willow. And Willow says she understands there are things she was going through that led her to having a bell and that she can forgive Buffy. Yeah. 
then Buffy uh, makes a joke about Willow and her moral su- uh, superiority, and they just kind of start teasing each other, calling us each other names, which include Runaway and Witch. Mm-hmm. And it ends with the best bad seed. <laughs> I love mm. that delivery. Bad seed. Oh, <laughs> it's so precious. <laughs> yeah. It's a good episode. Yeah, it's it's what one I of like. those episodes that I didn't think I enjoyed as much as I enjoyed this viewing, if that makes sense. It's one that I remembered that's, being not as good as, as it actually is. That's happened to me a few times since we started doing this. Mm-hmm. There'd be an episode that I'm like, that's not one I really like that much. And then... I watch it, and I'm like, I do like that one. Yeah, <laughs> this is the one with the whole gathering shindig hootenanny commentary. That's such a good <laughs> moment. <laughs> and you forget about it being in this episode until you watch this episode, and you're like, that's what that's from. <laughs> I feel like there's lots of Buffy lines that I know so well, but I have no idea what episode they come up in until I do, like, a complete watch through. And I'm just like, oh, it's this episode. <laughs> oh, that should be, this should be fun. What, name one. I want to see if I can do it. (laughs) Just name a a line that I know. Yeah, just a line that is familiar to you. Uh, fudge. Did I put you on the spot? Yeah, you put me on the spot. (laughs) Jesus. I love, I have like a Buffy trivia game and and stuff, and I can't ever get anyone to play it with me. Oh, okay. (laughs) Maybe that can be a special episode. (laughs) (laughs) Where we play Buffy trivia. Yeah. Special episode of the podcast where we just do Buffy trivia. I think that would be fun. <laughs> I never get to do it. No, I can't think of one on the spot. We've been we've been uh, recording for over two hours. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'm burnt out. That was Dead Man's Party. Mm-hmm. And yes. next next time we get to meet Faith, <laughs> who I love. Like, even when really? she, even when she's bad, I love her. Really, Faith's who you're excited about. You're not excited about meeting Scott Hope. <laughs> yeah, I never liked him. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> you're being sarcastic, right? I'm never sarcastic. We've done this bit before. Um, <laughs> Do you like? Him? Do you like his character? Uh no. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. He exists. He's there. I don't. He he's yeah. one of those characters that I don't really think about until he's on the screen. I'm just like, oh yeah, you're there. I mean, occasionally, as Buffy's- occasionally I'll think about pa- Parker without watching the Parker episodes. I don't think I ever really think about Scott Hope without Scott Hope specifically being mentioned in whatever scene I'm watching. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I like him better than Parker, but <laughs> he's more I mean, forgettable. <laughs> yeah, as her boyfriends go, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's in what, what three ep- two, three episodes, I think. I don't think he's not honestly, in very many. Honestly, it's like as soon as he's off the screen, I forget everything. <laughs> <laughs> Most forgettable Buffy character, Scott Hope. Yeah. Um, anyway, that will be next time. And this has been the podcast for this time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. This is why I could not come up with a quote. My brain is dead. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. And this is where we say bye. Bye. (laughs) Oh, well. That was fun.
Man, uh, the older I get, the hotter Giles gets. I just have to say that. Oh, my gosh. He's so yeah. hot. 